Puddings and sauces have been around for many years. There are recipes that call for a sauce poured over a rich sponge cake in the form of curry, a medieval cookbook from the chefs of Richard II of England. And from my childhood, I've experienced many different versions of a sponge cake pudding topped with a sauce made of cream, butterscotch, rum, or toffee. There was even a dessert called sauce and cake in which you mix the batter in one bowl and then when the batter is baked in the oven, it magically transformed into a separate sponge cake and a sauce in the same pan. In the 1980s, there was even a trend of making a poke cake with flavored jello by poking the cake fresh from the oven with a skewer. Then you would carefully pour the ungelatinized jello into the cake, letting it soak through into the sponge. So, it wouldn't be a surprise to find out that different countries have their version of this soaked sponge cake. Let's travel to South Africa and find a dessert that many bring out during the holiday season. It's a dessert whose origin causes a bit of a debate, but all will agree it's a dessert which cannot be ignored. Let's explore the history and origins of Malva pudding. Welcome to another serving of Seasons Eatings, the podcast which explores the history and origins of your favorite Christmas foods. Seasons Eatings can be found wherever you download your favorite podcasts, and if you haven't already, I would ask you to subscribe. That way you won't miss a single episode when it's released, and all future episodes will be available without you having to search for them. If you can please take a minute, and leave a five-star review, I would greatly appreciate it. Reviews help others find the podcast and help me know that you're enjoying what I'm doing. And if you let me know you've left a review, I'll send you a Seasons Eating sticker as a personal thank you. Seasons Eatings is also found on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All the links can be found in the show notes, which can be found on seasonseatingspodcast.com. And while you're there, if you're feeling extra generous, you can buy me a coffee. Just click on the little coffee cup at the top of the page and leave a donation for as little as $3. Each donation is used for the running of the podcast and its general upkeep, so any help would be greatly appreciated. Finally, you can let me know how I'm doing, leave a suggestion for a future episode, or just say hello at Seasons Eatings Podcast at gmail.com. The holiday table in South Africa may contain some dishes you're not familiar with. Instead of the usual Christmas turkey, many households have a stew made with chicken or goat. It's not unusual to have a large grilled tilapia as part of your Christmas supper. And of course, 
Christmas in many households usually end with a sweet dessert. Because South Africa was a British colony for over a hundred years, there are many holiday desserts that are similar. Many South Africans enjoy fruitcake, cheesecake, and trifle during the holiday season. But there's one dessert with distinct origins in South Africa, malva pudding. Even though the end result is very different, Malva pudding is reminiscent of a couple cakes that also use a technique of absorption after they're baked. First, the very popular Tres Leches cake from Central America, on which you're supposed to pour a mixture composed of three milks, as its name indicates. The other one is a Tunisian semolina-based cake called Aracha, or Harissa, that is covered with a citrus syrup. Malva pudding is one of those recipes that everyone will slightly tweak to its own taste with a little twist, like including spices such as ginger. It also has some popular variants like the Cape Brandy pudding, which is prepared with brandy and dates, as well as the Tipsy Tart, which only includes brandy. Malva pudding is a sweet and rich cake of Cape Dutch origin. It is prepared with apricot jam and a little brown vinegar, which gives this delicious traditional South African dessert a caramelized texture that is to die for. It is then covered with a cream sauce while it's hot. Where the pudding's name comes from is a bit of a mystery. There are in fact various conflicting theories on the origin of the name of Malva Pudding. The first and booziest version of the story is that it's named after a distilled wine, known in the 18th century as Malvasia. According to the Malvasia faction, it is necessary to add brandy or sherry to the cream sauce that is drizzled over a Malva pudding. The sauce originally used in the Dutch recipe contains Malvasia, also known as Malmsey wine or that the pudding was served with this sweet wine, popular of the Mediterranean region, especially Madeira. Then, there is the Malvasier Brigade, who subdivide into two factions, the Spongy Splinter Group and the Leafy Block. Both factions agree that the Malvasier family of plants is in some way central to the origin of the pudding's name. Both spongies and leafies argue that no brandy is required for the sauce. After that, they part ways. The name in Afrikaans is Malva Pudding, which literally means marshmallow pudding. This theory probably comes from the resemblance between the pudding's texture and that of marshmallow, or its Afrikaner version called Malvalekker which is prepared with mallow extract. The spongy faction argues that marshmallow falls into the Malvaceae family. Marshmallow is a plant that yields a mucilaginous substance, which is the traditional basis for creating sponginess in old-fashioned marshmallow sweeties, known as Malvaleckers in Afrikaans. According to the cookbook author and culinary historian Magdalene van Vick, the name Malva refers to the texture of the pudding, which is springy and light, like a marshmallow. According to this line of argument, no Malvaceae are harmed in the production of the pudding. Some rebel members of the spongy faction replace the cream in the sauce with evaporated milk, but their Cape counterparts dispute this modification. 
I talked more about marshmallows in my episode about sweet potato casserole and how it became a necessary dish on some holiday tables. Malva is also the Afrikaans word for geranium, and some think that malva pudding was originally flavored with the leaves of the rose-scented geranium, called pelagonium, that's native to South Africa. Chief proponent of this leafy faction is Franz Hoek culinary legend Topsy Venter. She argues that geraniums fall into the Malvaceae family, and that rose and lemon-scented varieties were traditionally added to the batter for their aromatic value. In her recipe, geranium leaves are added whole to the batter and the mixture is put in a cold oven, which is then turned on and gradually comes to temperature over at least 1 hour and 15 minutes that the cake is in the oven. Finally, in December 2006, Oprah Winfrey's personal chef, Art Smith, traveled to South Africa to cook Christmas dinner for the pupils of the Oprah Winfrey Leadership Academy for Girls. The big hit of the night was his Malva pudding. Smith stated that according to Colin Cowie, his hospitality ambassador in South Africa, it was named after a woman called Malva. Although Malva pudding has been around for a while, it really became popular in the 1980s when restaurants, including Boschendal in their Cape Town, started to offer this apricot pudding cake on their menu. Nikki Werner investigated the history of the dessert for Getaway Magazine. She found that the three common theories surrounding where the name came from were anecdotal, the claims unsubstantiated. When she eventually did find a recipe with the same name dating back to 1924, it was missing the characteristic apricot jam and was boiled, not baked. Werner traced the origin story of Malba pudding back to South African food and wine expert Michael Oliver, who wrote on his website that he can happily claim responsibility for the resurgence and subsequent popularity of Malva pudding. In an email, Olivier told me that he's known as the godfather of Malva pudding. When I asked what he meant, he told me that he put the recipe, which came from a woman named Maggie Pepler, on the menu of the Boschendel Wine Estate in 1978. Olivier met Pepler in the mid-1970s when she was working at the Lanzarac Hotel in Stellenbosch, a town in the Cape Winelands. Some years later, when Olivier became the public relations manager for the nearby Boschendel Wine Estate, he asked Pepler to run the kitchen when the chef was on vacation and to teach his staff how to make baboti, minced curried meat with egg and a cream topping, steamed fruit pudding, and the destined for fame Malva pudding. The Malva pudding immediately became famous and suddenly started appearing on the mainly country-style restaurants. Olivia recalls, we happily gave out the recipe at the restaurant and obviously restaurateurs started serving it. From there, the rest is history. As one would expect, there are now a million recipes out there using baby apples, liquor syrups, and any number of toe-curling varieties. I'm now so used to variations that the hair does not stand up on the back of my neck anymore. According to Pepler's 2013 obituary, she herself got the recipe, which used to be called telephonin pudding, because farmers' wives would call each other up and read the recipe over the phone, from her mother. 
But while the particular ingredient list of mava pudding might prove unique, it's not alone as a type. Jeanne Horek Druif, food, wine, and travel blogger, found the whole host of puddings in a 1918 cookbook. Armand's pudding, Dam's pudding, Godkuppenlecker pudding, Youngman's pudding, Vogelnest pudding. Malva pudding is even nearly identical to Jan Ellis pudding, named for the South African rugby player, save a teaspoon or two of vinegar and some slightly different proportions. The basic sponge cake recipe will be familiar to most, but one ingredient that does stick out is vinegar. This acid reacts with the baking soda and powder to make a light, airy dessert with many pockets to absorb all that wonderful sauce topping. After the cake comes out of the oven, you carefully poke holes all over the top with a skewer. Then you slowly pour the sauce on top of the cake, letting all those air pockets fill up with the rich, creamy sauce. You wait about 30 minutes for the sauce to absorb, and then you serve. It's an amazing combination. We'll explore one of the cousins of the Malva pudding and get into some sticky business after the break. What do two poets who are Christmas geeks do when they get together? They get drunk and argue about Yuletide lit. It's time to get lit for Christmas. Join us as we open the liquor cabinet, grab a book off the shelf, and have a little boozy conversation about what warms our chestnuts and makes us holly and jolly. Find out the best screwdriver to scrooge with. Get the recipe for Gift of the Magi Mojitos. Enjoy a little Peppermint Patty Polar Express. Everyone's welcome at this party. It's time to do some Jingle Bell Jello shots and talk about the great, and maybe not so great, works of Christmas literature. Hurry up, the fireplace is roaring and Bing Crosby's crooning. We're two drinks in and the spirits of Christmas past, present, and future are flowing. Grab a cup of cheer and find a place on the couch. It is time to get lit for Christmas. Are you tired of not being able to fit your 8-hour VHS tape full of holiday specials into your car stereo? So was I, till I discovered the Advent Calendar House. It's a podcast, you know, on the internet. They talk about all your favorite holiday specials. I'm the most important part, because I'm the Christmas toy. From the must-watch Christmas classics... Uh, humbug. ...to the lost treasures at the bottom of the bargain bin. I'm Olive. I'm the other reindeer. Now I don't have to hook up a VCR to my car battery anymore. Thanks, Advent Calendar House. Visit adventcalendar.house now to download your first episode free. And all the other ones free. It's a free podcast. Just go listen. Gadgets, toys, greed, avarice. I love it.
But while Malva pudding may come from a long pudding tradition, harking back to Western Europe and the ancestors of sticky toffee pudding and the like, it has come to dominate the South African dessert arena as a singular, untouchable pudding entity. The forerunner of Malva pudding may be its cousin sticky toffee pudding, a classic British dessert consisting of a dark, dense sponge cake made with chopped dates that is topped with a sweet toffee sauce. It may also be served with vanilla ice cream or custard. Although its origins are unclear, it was likely invented during the 20th century in the Lake District of Northwest England, from where its popularity spread across the country. Sticky toffee pudding is the most modern of all the great British nursery puds. It's a spongy date cake topped with a rich toffee sauce, but it's also considered as a classical dessert. The texture of the dish is soft as the sauce completely penetrates the cake. It has a prominent caramel flavor. Over years, the dessert has become very popular in Scotland, Ireland and Australia, where it's called sticky date pudding. It's not hard to see its appeal for restaurants. Sticky toffee pudding has all the stomach-slaying punch of a traditional British pud, but after being baked rather than steamed and then slicked with a sweet sauce, it's much more good-natured than a suet-heavy spotted dick or a jam roly-poly. Like Malva pudding, there are three competing claims to the invention of the sticky toffee pudding. The Scots, on the grounds that no one loves sugar better than they do, insist it was first served in the Udney Arms Hotel in Newburgh on Ethan, Aberdeenshire in 1967. It still appears on the menu, served with clotted cream ice cream, and the recipe is given to guests who can't leave the hotel without knowing the secret. Yorkshire, never being shy of a fight, boldly claims that sticky toffee pudding was invented in 1907 by the landlady of the Gate Inn in Millington. Current landlord Stuart Stevenson, however, is having none of it. We still serve sticky toffee pudding here, but don't know the origins. Many people drop in and try it, but we don't know whether there's a bogus story linking us to the pudding on the web. The final claimant is Cumbria. In 1948, Francis Colson opened the Cheryl Bay Hotel in Allswater, and in 1960, an icky, sticky toffee sponge appeared on the menu. Colson is said to have got the idea from a recipe by Mrs. Martin of the old rectory in Clotten, Lancashire, who in turn had got the recipe from a Canadian friend, making sticky toffee pudding about as British as maple syrup and poutine. However, it's Colson's version that the majority proclaim as the original, and the Cheryl Bay Hotel keep his recipe locked away in a vault. Staff have to sign confidentiality agreements, as do guests taking part in cookery demonstrations after one bold couple tried to film the demo and posted the video online. The Cheryl Bay Hotel sell their puddings online if you want a taste of the original without a trip to the Lake District, but recreating it at home isn't too hard, in spite of the secrecy. Chefs and food writers such as Simon Hopkinson, Gary Rhodes and Jane Grigson have reverse engineered the dish and their versions run a close second. The sponge is light and rippled with squidgy chopped dates, a delicate foil to the rich toffee sauce. Date sponge cake and sticky toffee sauce 
are the main elements of sticky toffee pudding. Dates, butter, sugar, eggs, refined flour, and baking powder are the ingredients for making the date sponge cake. Butter, brown sugar, and heavy cream are the ingredients for making the toffee sauce. The dates are soaked in hot water and make a smooth puree. Eggs and sugar are beaten together and all the ingredients are folded in to make a smooth batter. The batter is poured into a grease pan and baked. The toffee sauce is made by heating the butter and sugar in a pan. Cream is then added and the mixture is cooked until thick and it becomes a rich caramel color. It's easy to see the similarities between the sticky toffee pudding and South Africa's malva pudding. Both have a delicious soft sponge accompanied by a rich decadent sauce. Nowadays there are so many different ways to create malva pudding. There are donut versions, cupcake versions, and many others using ingredients not from the original recipe. That's what makes this pudding so perfect for Christmas. Like Christmas traditions, the recipes change slightly to suit your family. Maybe your family likes chocolate, so you make a chocolate malva. Maybe your family doesn't like alcohol, so you make a version without the booze. And this pudding can be served warm from the oven, with your favorite side of whipped cream or a scoop of lovely ice cream. Better yet, double the recipe and have malva pudding for breakfast on Boxing Day. Thank you for listening to this serving of Seasons Eatings. Seasons Eatings is available on Apple Podcasts, Google, TuneIn, Stitcher, Deezer, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Please, if you can, leave a review about the show so we can spread the Christmas cheer. Also, I would love to hear from you. Send me an email at seasonseatingspodcast at gmail.com to let me know how you like the show, suggestions for future episodes, or just to say hi. And if you let me know you've left a review, I'll send you a Seasons Eating sticker for all your trouble as well as my unwavering gratitude. And if you're feeling extra generous this season, you can buy me a coffee. Head on over to SeasonsEatingsPodcast.com and click on the little coffee cup. Each small donation helps with the daily running of the podcast and is greatly appreciated. Also have some exciting news. Seasons Eatings is coming up to its one year anniversary. I want to thank each and every one of you who have taken the time to listen, subscribe, and share this little podcast. It has truly been a wonderful, exciting, and enlightening experience creating this delve into food and Christmas history. If you know someone who loves food history and Christmas, I suggest letting them know about the podcast. That's the only way that we can grow. Again, thank you to the couple hundred people who have already subscribed and follow this podcast. Stay tuned in May for our one-year anniversary when I have a special surprise for our listeners. All music used in the podcast is used under the Creative Commons license.